Hi, it's Andrea and Marianne, the Sister Tipsters. We're two moms, wives, and sisters juggling work, kids, and all the challenges life throws our way. We're here to encourage everyone to move their body for at least 10 minutes a day while learning tips for navigating life. Take the time to improve your health and grow your mind. Now let's get moving. Spotlight on Marianne today. All right, this is one area where she truly is a professional. CPA, MBA, since we live in a world where everyone likes to talk with letters, I figured I'd throw out some of her letters, or at least the ones I know and understand. So she's a certified public accountant with experience at a large accounting firm, also leading a small business in all of their financial things and my personal financial resource. So that's my little background of her. I only understand probably some of the things that she's done over time, but that gives it um, at least a little synopsis there. She's my personal financial resource and I'm ready to share her with you. It's probably the most important thing, right? The most important one is your your personal financial resource. The only one that really matters here. And I think <laughs> it's just nice that I've decided I'm going to share that with people. So <laughs> format today is we're going to, I'm going to throw out some questions that I think we all could benefit from the answers. Some I may have asked you before, some I need some refreshers, some I have no clue, but I just thought a few a few questions out there to get us started, and we'll see how this goes. Are you ready, Marianne? Oh, definitely ready. <laughs> All right. All right. So question number one, what is one way people can save money? Oh, man, this is a, a favorite of mine, and I think kind of um, one of my original sweet spots of what got me into finance. As you said, I was very into accounting. I've got an accounting degree and everything, but the thing that kind of hooked me in college was a class where we talked about saving money and the different ways to save money. So I'm going to start with the basics. You want to save money, let's go to like looking at your finances like a business and you look at your P&L, your profit and loss statement. It's got two aspects, a profit and a loss. So there's always two ways to save money. You can either make more, which would be your profit, or you spend less, which is your expenses. <laughs> So Sounds easy enough. <laughs> right. It should, right. We just kind of whittle it down to the basics here of make more or spend less. Um, so the easiest thing for a lot of people is to spend less. So I always go back to the laissez factor. Now I'm not a coffee drinker, but everybody's got that thing that they will pay for every day, right? Like a like a coffee or a latte, or maybe it's a bagel or going out to lunch or something like that at work where you're kind of paying for it every day. And a lot of times that's an easy thing to cut out. If you cut that out, it's something you're doing every day and it adds up quickly. But what if that thing is super important to you and you want to keep it? Maybe some people look at like a gym membership. Well, I want to keep my gym membership. I don't want to work out at home or I don't want to run on my own or something like that. I want to keep it. Well, then maybe that's something you keep. But maybe on the flip side, like I said, you work on saving more by making more. So you've got to kind of Weigh those things and, and see what's important to you. But like I say, one thing is cut out a daily expense that you're doing day after day that would be an easy thing. Make your own coffee at home and just you know buy a coffee on special occasions and immediately you've saved a good amount of money by that compounding effect every day. But again, on the flip side, as I said, make more. Pick up a side gig, a side hustle. Um, you know, there's so many options out there now for like websites where you can be a personal assistant. You can do little writing um, 
you know, writing gigs or editing gigs or even our podcast, you know, we have someone who edits it. <laughs> that's a side gig for him. And that's a little way that he can put in a bit of time and make more money, which in turn allows him to save more money. Great. I think that's some good takeaways. Make more money, spend less. And I think you hit a good point there. It's definitely intimidating to think of cutting out something you might think that you really, really need completely. But like you said, maybe you just cut back on it. Maybe it's just a treat and occasional thing. I like that one. That's a little less intimidating to me. (laughs) All right. Great. On to question number two. What, oh, and this one, you'll you'll know that I came up with this one because it always tortures me, but what is one thing, <laughs> what is one thing you wish you knew before you applied for a mortgage? Oh man, this is one that, that comes up with you a lot. Not that you've applied for a lot of mortgages, but I think it's a conversation we've had a lot. Uh, you know, maybe my first thing would be, it's going to be a hassle. It's, it's good. It's good. Just the one right thing I wish, yes, let's just be upfront. It's going to be a hassle. The banks are going to ask for document after document, and you are basically going to have to lay out for them from start to finish how you make your money, how you continue to make an income, how you're going to pay for this property, and what money you have in the bank, and sometimes why you have it in the bank. Um, There needs to be, they need to be able to see a system there and a process of, you know, you can't just have millions of dollars in savings and make. $10,000 $10,000 a year. They're going to they're gonna question that. Um, so, you know, I didn't really know that going into applying for a mortgage that I would just be asked a million questions, have to provide a lot of information. And not only in the beginning process of going through, you know, talking to the initial contact of the bank, but then when it goes through underwriting, they might ask for follow-up documents. And then again, right before you're closing on your mortgage, they're going to ask for statements again to make sure that there's been no change in money movements. They're going to verify your job to make sure that you're actually making the money that you say you're making. Um, and if you have any sort of money movements, which often we have large money movements when we're buying a house, right? Like maybe we're buying furniture or if someone's gifting you money, they're going to want to know mm. why that money showed up in your account. So that was one thing I think I didn't know going into buying a mortgage, how much they look at every single account (laughs) and every single source of income, and they want to know, is it a consistent source? Is it a one-time? Where did it come from? And um, will you be, you know, everything that's going to go into, will you be able to pay this mortgage continuing in the future? Okay. I think that's helpful. You know that I'm always interested in the like, the little tidbits there. So one question that I have just to kind of go off of that is like, okay, so you say like, don't move money. Well, at some point beforehand, you probably do want to move some money from one account to another, get things like set. So is there a time frame when you can do that far enough in advance that then won't be flagged? Like how far back do they usually go, yes. I guess is my question. Generally two to three months. So I know like when I bought one of our houses, you know, we had money in a in one account that was kind of our general savings account that we had been saving for the down payment. And then we wanted to move that into our main account. Well, if you want to not really have to pull all of the account statements from every single bank account that that money hit, you need to move it probably, I mean, easily, if you want to be safe, at least three months ahead of time. Move it and have the money settled where you're going to pull it from. And that way, and not that you're trying to hide anything, but it's just less statements to have to provide. Otherwise, every account that that money hits, you're going to have to provide that statement. And then it's just more time and more work for everybody is the bottom line there. Exactly. And you'll have to provide them at the beginning and then usually a second time. So there's a good number of months you kind of end up 
having to provide probably at least two months before the process starts and then almost every month throughout the process. Okay. All right. Good to know. Still like to avoid mortgages. All right. <laughs> See, I said it's a hassle. That's why I said my, my first thing I wish I knew from the, from the beginning was it's a hassle and you'll get through it and it will, you'll get a mortgage at the end and you know, it will, you'll come out of it at the end and say, oh, suddenly you're just done. Like that's it. You're closing on a house and you think I just was providing 10 statements yesterday and now we're done. But that's just, it's just a hassle. You just got to know going into it. It's going to be a hassle, but you're going to get through it. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Just accept it, right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right. So question number three, what is one way you can set up your kids to start saving that will help them as they become adults? Oh, one way. I know I've got a good, a good number of ways and it depends on your situation as a parent and your situation is for your kids. But probably my top thing would be to open an IRA and specifically an, a Roth IRA for your kids as soon as they are working and earning an income. So if they've got those summer jobs and they're earning a good amount of money in the summer, start opening that Roth for them, make them put money in, you know, what else are they using that money for? <laughs> um, but, and, and I should explain that a Roth IRA, um, an IRA is, is a retirement plan and a Roth is a post-tax retirement plan that is not linked to any sort of business. So many of us know as an adult working, you might have a 401k, a 403b, a SEP. There's all sorts of different retirement plans depending on whether it's a public company, a nonprofit company, you're self-employed, kind of goes into all of those different retirement plans. And then there's pre or post-tax and there's benefits to both. Um, But kids don't have any of that, right? They don't have um, an employer that's going to contribute to a retirement or set up a retirement for them. Generally, they don't. Um, and so Roth IRA post-tax, not linked to a company or an employer, um, is a great savings options for your kids and, and get them thinking about every little bit of money they make, they should take a portion of it or a percentage of it and put it into savings. And they won't even notice when they're young and it'll be there for them when they are older, which is great. Let me interrupt and ask just for like a better explanation of the post-tax part of it, what that means. Yes. So it means that when you get your weekly pay stub, you are given a gross amount of money and then you have employer taxes come out of it or, or you know, state and federal taxes come out of it and anything related to employee. If you're a working adult, often like an insurance or a medical plan will come out of it as well. Um, as a kid, you don't have any of those. So it's mostly just your taxes. And then there's a f- an end net number. So it's from that net number that's the amount deposited into your bank account, the money you walk away, or as I always say, the money in your pocket. Um, that's that net number. And so from that, you contribute to the IRA. So that's what it means post-taxes. After the government's taken all their money, you then put money in savings. And what that means is when you go to take that money out, it's already been taxed. This is my favorite part. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's already been taxed. So you don't have to worry about it being taxed again. All you're taxed on is any gain, but not the actual money that you put in there. Um, And so that's great. So what's in there is yours to take home at the end of the day versus a pre-tax, which gets you tax benefit now because it lowers the amount of money that the government is going to tax off of. So instead of say your gross being $50, now you've contributed $10 to a pre-tax, they will only tax you, the government will only tax you on the $40 that's left. So you pay less in taxes now, 
But when you go to pull that money out of retirement later, it's got to get taxed. <laughs> if you didn't tax it in the beginning, you're going to tax it at the end. So that Roth, right. um, like I said, is the reverse. It's all your money's been taxed. It's what you're left with in your pocket. You put it into a retirement account and it's yours. It's already been taxed. What's in there is yours at the end of the day. You get to take it out. It's a beautiful thing. So <laughs> one, other just, one other part that I'd love you to kind of just expand on a little bit is like, and, and I know that there's like mathematical equations to look at this in examples, but I mean, if, if a kid or if you start, if a kid starts saving money in a Roth at a young age, I mean, what are we looking at? Like, do they have to save a lot for it to be a lot? Does the amount of time really just compound that? Can you just give us a little something to inspire us to do this? <laughs> yes. Well, two points that are important is that a Roth IRA contribution, at least currently how, how it's set up, is there is a max income for it. So if you are a grown working adult and you've been working for 20 years and you know you have a spouse who's working, there's a good chance that you exceed the income levels. And so you are no longer able to contribute to a Roth. So if you contribute when you're young... Two benefits to that. One, you are able to contribute when you're young. You won't have maxed out that income um, and, and knowing that later you won't be able to. So do it while you can. You are most likely not earning a ton as a kid. So you're in a low tax bracket. So the taxes that the government is taking out now on that money is going to be far less than if you were to put it in pre-tax and get taxed on it. 30 years, 40 years down the road when you're retiring. So there's that benefit um, is that you have, you're in a lower tax bracket, so you might as well tax it now at that bracket. And the final benefit is if you put in, and there is there is definitely a math of it, and you know, there's ones with like starting, if you just put in a penny a day now, what it's equal to, but if you put in say $1,000 now, you're going to compound that interest every single year starting at, say your children are doing this at 16 or 17 years old. They're going to put in a thousand and maybe it's a thousand and five dollars next year. And then the following year, it's a thousand and fifteen dollars. And then the following year, it's a thousand and thirty dollars. But every year that interest rate is just building off of that base number and it's compounding, which means your base number is changing every year because it's increasing. And then the next year, it's going to increase a percentage off of that higher number. And then again, off the higher number and so on. And so the earlier you get it in there, the more that compounding is working for you and you never have to touch it. So you save $1,000 at 16. It's worth a heck of a lot more <laughs> at 60 than if you put $1,000 in at 50 and only let it compound to 60. So there's all sorts of ones out there, like I said, about you know a penny a day. Um, but there's a lot of mathematical problems where you can put in, like I said, $1,000, 500 bucks, 1500 bucks, something that's pretty low when you think about an adult contributing, put in a pretty low amount at, for a teenager, and that could be millions of dollars by the time they go to retire, which sounds crazy, but that is how the compacting interest actually works. <laughs> yeah, so cool. And so cool to be able to think about that for your kids and to get them started way before that would ever be on their radar and set them up to have that money put aside. And and I think also teach them, if you can explain it to them, teach them that before they've even really become an adult, which is um, definitely, I find it inspiring. So. Exactly, exactly. And what is a teenager doing with $1,000, right? And if you take- Wasting a, it. Exactly, <laughs> probably wasting it. And also if you're sitting in you some think, bank account where it's doing nothing. Exactly, where it's not earning enough for them. But think if you help them 
to put $1,000 away now as a teenager, you're actually giving them a gift of five or six figures, maybe even seven figures by the time they go to retire. And so think about that. You could encourage them to just put away $1,000, even if you have to help them, even if they need the money that they made, but maybe you can say, well, if you put a thousand of it away, I'll give you a thousand now. And think that thousand that you just gave your child, it's worth so much more to them later. So, I mean, I'd like a, it's like a coupon, a discount for your gift, yeah. <laughs> you know, years down yeah, the road. Right. <laughs> so, so cool. So cool. Well, this certainly didn't cover everything that we need to think about financially, but hopefully we've hit some major items that can be helpful to lots of people. I know it's been helpful to me and um, I'm excited to share it with other people. But if you have other ideas or questions that you'd like to hear Marianne answer, please reach out and share them with us. Who knows? Maybe we'll record a follow-up episode with the questions that we gather from you and we'll put Marianne back in that hot seat. I know. Get me talking about more than saving, which you can you can tell I could take you could talk about every angle of saving for for hours. It's one of my favorite topics. Saving is fun. I know it is. It is. It's exciting. Um, But thank you for joining us in this episode of the Sister Tipsters podcast with your hosts, Andrea and Marianne. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with two friends, drop us a rating, or hey, post about it on social media so you can share with your friends. You can find us on Instagram at sister underscore tipsters. And most of all, come back next week to join us for another episode of the Sister Tipsters.